it's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, avid coupon clipper and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, any good baseball fan loves a doubleheader, especially during the summer. Well, that's what we've got going here. It is a doubleheader of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. This is episode 54. The one before this, episode 53, is a conversation with a coach where we spent about 45 minutes going through a variety of different things that this coach was dealing with on the recruiting front in his program, and we, we tried to come up with some solutions for that. Well, this is episode 54. It's a different conversation with a different coach, but again, it's taking time to listen to the coach and go through and solve, hopefully, some of their issues and problems. This one is really interesting because it deals with the central question at the start of what is the difference between a prospect and a recruit? Is there a difference and how should you treat those two classifications differently? So we start off in this conversation with uh, just a lot of philosophy and how to set up the program and then it gets deeper and deeper as the conversation goes on. So both conversations, both this episode and the one I'd love to have you listen to before this one are great for you, the listener, because you get to hear coaches in real time going over the same issues that you might be dealing with. And we go over the solutions that we've seen work with some of the different clients and coaches that we've worked with. And so hopefully this is this is going to be a learning process for you. And this is what we do is we try to help coaches become better, more strategically minded recruiters using research-based techniques and methodologies. And so if you're listening to this, you're already one of the smartest recruiters in college athletics because you're taking time to get good at this part of your craft. And by listening to these two episodes, I really feel it's going to give you a lot to think about and a lot to talk about with your staff here over the summer. This is when we're recording these, the summer of 2018. So hopefully it does that for you. But uh, they definitely go together. So if you haven't listened to episode 53 yet, then do that. This is episode 54, and we're going to jump right into a really long, interesting, in-depth conversation with this coach, where he starts off the podcast episode with this question. My first question, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of start at the end of it and kind of okay. way backwards. Sure, sure. Um, when do they actually become a recruit? And I ask this because I know other coaches, including myself, we have list of hundreds of names. I just went to an event over the weekend, and I would say after watching, you know, all the student-athletes, I have a list of about 150. So when do they actually become a recruit? Like, I'm recruiting this player. Does that make sense? Right. All right. So when you st- – so let's define it the way that, that – um that I would define it. You can you can choose to define it like this or, or not, or any coach listening can can choose to define it like this or not. Uh, I, I think you know a lot of coaches talk about recruiting, and they'll talk about going out to um, to a tournament or or a um, where they're going to go find names, or or they'll refer to recruiting as going onto an online service and gathering names. Mm-hmm. I don't look at that as as recruiting. I think that's sort of pre-recruiting, which would I I would define that as scouting. Okay, so yeah. the first first and foremost, your first really action for a new class or to add to an existing recruiting class is to go and scout and find out who you want on your list. You could go to a tournament. Well, a very small percentage of those may wind up on your list, or eighty percent could wind up on your list. But mm-hmm. but that kind of is is the beginning process. I think. Of, uh, of recruiting is the scouting process. So once you have them on your list, now I think you actually begin the recruiting process because now you know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and, and I would even add a third category. So we, you know, we're scouting, recruiting, and then when, when do they sort of become a prospect? I think a prospect is when there is some sort of indication or back and forth between you and that pro- and that and that athlete, so it's one thing to have them on the list and be sending an email or or trying to get a hold of them, send them a letter. You haven't heard back anything. I don't think they're a prospect. There's nothing prospective about them mm. coming and joining your program. I think they become a prospect when they reply back and say, "Hey, coach, yeah, I got got your." 
text, got your email, got the letter you sent, uh, and I'm interested. So at least there's some sort of way to have communication back and forth with that that athlete. I think at that point, then, they become a prospect. So I think at the start, as a starting point, to look at it as you know, defining a, a um, um, you know, when you're scouting them, when they become a recruit, and then when they transition into a, a prospect. Okay. Because here, here's what I would say is that just because you have, let's just say you're a coach and you have 300 names on your list, right. um, doesn't mean you're recruiting 300 kids. It means you have 300 kids on your list, and it probably, that, those 300 came from 800 maybe that you saw, and so you're always trying to, to take it and whittle it down to the core because to, sound, to, to be a coach to say, hey, I've got 300 kids I'm recruiting, it sounds like enough. But in reality, right, it's, right. it's not. I mean, out of those 300, only 80 may be prospects. It may have only you know, 80 may have replied to your, your messaging at some point. And out of those 80, maybe only 12 are really going to become prospects where they there's some interaction and yeah i'm interested in your school that part of the country or your style of play um, so so it's i think it's important for a coach to define what they um what they truly have in the way that uh, when they're looking at their recruiting list you know it's really interesting that you say that because in our email i broke it down as a lead a prospect and then a recruit but now speaking with you it's almost like okay we go out we scout we then do our recruiting well you know we send out letters uh, emails text messages all that but really prospect comes after recruit is what you're saying because now there's interaction so now like as a prospect there, there there's something there is, am i understanding that correctly Right. Yeah. No. It's that. Uh, yeah. And, and again, you might define it for your own purposes or your own style. You might define each one of those groups a little differently, or you might take one of the groups away or add another definition of a group. And all that's fine. I just don't want it to be one big number that everybody gets lumped into, from the kids that you saw but have never responded, all the way to the ones where they've taken a visit to your campus. Um, I don't. They, they shouldn't all be on the same list, or certainly labeled the same way, because I think it gives you a false sense of security as a coach right. to think, well, I've got 300 kids. I mean, I'm going to certainly get a percentage of those that I'll need for my roster, you know, for this class. Well, maybe and maybe not. I think it's defined, or for me, it would be who is truly a prospect that you're engaged with and talking to. Okay. Now, um, so kind of taking the next step. In our situation, uh, simply put, we actually almost fit every profile, um, mm -hmm. whether that be academically, financially, um, even like location-wise, we're kind of in the middle of everything. So trying to whittle that down to who's right for our program, how do you take it from that, you know, that 300 or so, you know, list down to that, you know, where we're getting serious about them and they're getting serious about us just because there's so many, especially like I said, for us in our position, there's, there's so many factors, you know, we could have a high athletic kid, but a low academic kid or sure. we could have a high academic kid, but they're not the best athlete. They might be like that C level that you maybe spoke about before. Right, right. And then there's, and I wish it was that simple, but then there's a bunch in the middle, you know what I mean? You have the, you know, the high income kid who's also a high academic kid, which, you know, on the outside looking in, I might say, okay, maybe that kid's not the one for us, but you go and talk to the dad and the dad went here and blah, 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 you know? So I guess to sum it up, how do we whittle that down from that 300? Well, I mean, again, I think um, if you're saying from the 300 that started with the 800 that you scouted and right. they turned into 300 that are recruits, um, how you as a coach define your prospect, which would be in, in this conversation sort of the, the really serious level, is going to be different than another school. So, you know, we if, if we're working with a coach that is at a really – prestigious, high-performing, Division three academically-based school right. in the Northeast, 
Well, they have to recruit a kid who is you know going to be able to get into the college. Number one right. um, is going to uh, want to play athletics uh, and 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 go to school and, and be okay with carrying that workload. And then, you know, I'll, I'll compare that to a Division two state school where academics is really not going to be a huge pre-qualifier. Um, it maybe would fit more of your profile that you're describing, which is, um, you know, we're going to be pretty affordable. We're going to offer a good education, but we're not ranked in the top 10 in any category in U.S. News and World Report. Um, at the end of the day, as a coach... Most coaches are judged on their performance, their team's performance on the field, on the court, in the pool, on the track, and so on. And so, you know, again, if it were me, if I were the coach in that situation, I would be looking at defining, uh, and, and this goes to try to answer your question, who should we be recruiting? I would be recruiting or ranking the kids based on athletic ability that had then the qualifications to also get in academically to the school that you happen to be coaching at. But, you know, if you, if you finish your season with, a, um, with three wins and 20 losses, if you had a sport that had that many, but your kids, you know, c- you know cumulative, the team grade point average was 3.7, and you earned some academic awards, over time... As a coach and as somebody that's in the athletic department, your athletic director is probably going to come to you and say, hey, coach, we got to have a talk because this is your third straight year at 3-20. and 20. And the grades are great, but <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> right. it's, you know, whereas I, I haven't heard too many coaches getting fired because they were 20-3 and three for the third straight year, but their grade point average was, their team grade point average was, was a 3-1. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... So you have to obviously have the kids that are going to be supported academically at the school and be able to perform academically at the school you happen to be coaching at. But in terms of ranking or prioritizing uh, prospects or recruits, I would do it in by order of their uh, their athletic ability in your sport. And that's you as the coach get to make that determination for right. your program. So right. and you know other other coaches that coach in your sport. Um, are are going to be doing the same thing, but they have, may have a different criteria and judge a kid differently. But again, as long as each coach is being able to do that on an athletic basis, I think that's what's going to build a strong program. Now, let me ask you this kind of on a side note. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since I actually listened to episode 37 about evaluating your recruiting, right. I, I've been thinking about it, and we do something very similar with the A, B, C, and D um, like level right. recruits, right? And I guess my question is, and, and, and just as, as a quick aside, you mentioned a past podcast episode. For any coach that's listening, you can go if you're if you subscribe, you can go onto iTunes and Google and find past episodes, or on Stitcher.com. There's a complete online library of all of our episodes. So if you didn't happen to mention to listen to that, or you're wondering what this coach is talking about when he he's referring to the A, B, and C method. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode number 37, and it's available. It's free. So I just wanted to mention that since you referenced it. And, yeah, it was a great episode. It actually, uh, that's the episode that led me to emailing you. Oh, so, okay, awesome. Um, when evaluating them, you know, A through D, 1, 2, 3, 4, however you do it, um, and I've asked, actually, ever since that episode, I've asked a bunch of different coaches this, and they all give me a different answer. So I'm going right. to ask you as well. Um, sure. When we're rating them like that, what is it in, in an aspect of? Is it to our conference, to our, you know, our, our, our system, what we run? Mm. Is it nationally? Is it, is it, you know, in the podcast you said you would rather us go after, you know, those B's, B's, pluses than fill out the roster with C's and kind of wait for the A's because they make their decision last, which makes perfect sense. Right. But is that an A, an aspect of nationally? Yeah, wow, it's a, a great question. An A to our system. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just didn't, that's the, the one thing that's kind of been. Sure. Well, first of all, uh, you know, so the choice you have is do we do re- relate it to some sort of, you know, an, a national uh, comparison in our sport to what an athlete might grade out to or 
choice B is to do it to your team and, and how where you are right now, what an A is to you right now, um, and a B and a C and so forth. If you do it nationally, I think the problem with that is that very, very quickly you realize that most schools couldn't recruit an A. Just if, if you were a football <laughs> right, coach, right, right. if you were a football coach, all the A's are going to BCS Division One schools, so I've just wiped out all in, any chance of ever getting an A. Um, so I don't think you do it nationally. I think you do it based on, you know, like most coaches, you included, that are listening to this, are smart people who know how to judge and size up their conference, their program, um, what what they can get in terms of uh, you know of talent at least in a conversation. So I think you do it to where you are right now as a program. Or if you wanted to you know compare it to your conference, I think that's absolutely good. You know, so what is if an A kid is the type of kid that the first place team in the conference consistently gets. Um, and whatever that is, is if it's a time or uh, mm-hmm. a body profile or whatever your sport is, whatever the A is, that I think would be a good starting place is to define an A. But you or some other coach listening might say, you know what, we are so far away from even competing with the top of our conference, I'm not even going to worry about that. An A for us might be the B kid at the top school. Okay, that's fine too. So I just think it's more, it's important for you, if you were going to label an A, what does that look like? How would you, as the coach of your program, define that A? And how would you define a B and, and a C? And, you know, and, and the more specific you get, I think the better it is that you're able to then look at a kid and say, okay, here's where I would slot them. And... Um, as a begin at a beginning point, that's that's what I would suggest doing because then it, it's personal to you and you know what then when you go out and and are scouting kids uh, and immediately sort of filling in where initially they might rate as a as an athlete, um, you're able to do that and it's going to make sense for you and the goal is to always be raising the level of where the where, what an A is mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. But it, it, you need some sort of baseline to start, and I think that baseline is your definition of of what an A would be. Um, and I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to outline that now because it's you know right. that wouldn't be fair. But but be my only recommendation is be as specific as possible because that's what um, that's what's going to give you the best guide for who you should actually recruit and. You know, coming back from a tournament and saying, "Wow, I got, you know, I got ten names, and four of them are A's, and four are really solid B's, and I got two C's that might be good developmental kids." Okay, I feel good about that. Whereas coming back from a tournament with ten names and you go back and evaluate it later on and say, "Oh no, I got eight C's and two low B's based on my own criteria," that's a problem. And so I think in you defining what qualifies as an A, B, and C, what you actually do is you set up then some guidelines for you, or if you have a staff that goes out and recruits with you, you're able to define out for them what it is that um, that that they should be looking for, or you should be looking for, and, and have some criteria about what comes back and, and gets put on your list in the first place. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, because <laughs> I'll be honest with you, after, I, like I said, I listened to that episode, I asked all my different coaching friends, like, how do they do it, and I think you even said something to the notion of if you take 15 different coaches, you're going to get like 15 different answers. And it was almost <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> okay, that's um, good. Now, uh, another thing in who's right for our program, I know you speak a lot about what is our story. Yes. And that is something that, to be honest with you, I'm getting a little stuck on because okay. I think what you, what you say when you say it is our stories almost need to be aligned like the story of our program and the story of that prospect or recruit is is that correct um no not not first of all you don't get to decide if if that story is aligned when we walk into um a movie theater um, the the people who produce the movie don't decide if we're going to like it or not. What they right. do is they they build out the story. They build out the movie. We go grab our popcorn and, and sit for two hours, and we decide at the end, yeah, I like that or no, I didn't like that. Okay. Um, you know, and that's why 
you know, some you've, you've, we've all gone to movies, um, and you know, one person liked it and the next person didn't. That's like with all the Star Wars movies now, Star Wars movies. That's what's going on. Is that well, I really liked that one. Oh, I thought it was horrible. It didn't, you know, it wasn't you know true to the Star Wars form. Um, and I have an eleven-year-old son. This is so everything is about Star Wars in, in our house, of course, and of that's, that's my frame of reference. So, um, but but that's your job is to make a great movie. And so, in the same way that the producer of that movie, whatever it is, isn't that concerned with whether you like it or not, as opposed to telling the story that they want to tell? And of course, they hope people like it. They hope it makes money. But more important is that we want to we want to tell a, a you know a true story to it. Um, I want you to do the same thing. And in a sense, I think what in a bigger picture, what what colleges are starting to struggle with is when they discover that most colleges, and certainly on the admission side, but it also goes to the, the coach side, most colleges are so bland and so vanilla and mm. so, hey, there's there's something here for everybody. You know, come one, come all. And, right, right. You know, it's so all-encompassing because at the core, it's a numbers game and they have to get enough numbers in order to, um, in order to make it all work. And... And so their solution is we we don't want to exclude anybody. We want everybody to apply, and I want to we want to look at everybody's application, and we want more than enough to choose from. And what they're finding is that the kids then that come to those schools, especially if they're coaches and they've taken that philosophy, is the kid gets there and realizes, wait a minute, I don't this isn't right. I don't I don't want this. I don't want to be here. This this wasn't right for me. And what happens? They transfer after a semester, or they transfer right. after a year. And so. I would want can, can you. Can I ask you a question on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, our situation uh, is, is especially with A level players. What happens mm-hmm. is they do that, right? They go away to the D one, the D two, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, that's the scholarship program, whatever, or even just away, you know. And a lot. What happens in our area is they end up coming back. Sure. And which is, which is the which is what I just described happening right. is I thought it was going to be how great to go away. That? Right. How do how do how do I at our level in our area kind of stop that? Because that's right. what I'm trying to do. Sure. And I think that's kind of a part of our story. Um. So I guess yeah. my question for you is how do I? Pre- <laughs> I know I can't prevent it, but if I could, how would I? You right. Because well, it happens so much. Right. So, in because this is a life decision, you don't get to prevent it necessarily. But right. I think it's fair for a coach, and you don't want to obviously be a coach that delves into negative recruiting. Right. Uh, and we've said before, as a as a strategy, negative recruiting is bad because, first of all, it turns off about half the kids right away. They they realize that you're negative recruiting, and you know they they don't take you seriously anymore. And for the ones that believe it ended up coming to your school, they're the ones that will oftentimes become dissatisfied and you don't get to keep them. So just negative recruiting, just as a not making a moral judgment as to whether it's right or wrong, I'll let every coach do that for themselves, just purely strategically, that isn't a smart way to recruit. Right. So so when when you go out and you tell your story and you're trying to get a kid who is thinking about leaving your area uh, and going, or just athletically trying to play at a team, in a program, at a division level, that maybe they, you know, ooh, it's going to be really tough for you there. Um, and yet you don't want to kill, you don't want to be the one that kills their dream, but you, you can sort of look into the future being a, you know, a smart coach and saying, this isn't going to end well. What I would do is to ask a set of questions that, that dictate or, or would get them to think about why does this seem like a smart idea? And so... I can't tell you which questions it would be because it's going to be different by sport and by school. But if it all sort of fit under the label is explain to me, prospect, why going to X seems like a smart decision. So for instance, let's just say they're, they're looking at a school four states away. You know, an example question might be, you know, got to know your, getting to know your mom and dad seems like you have a really strong family. You have, you know, younger brother that's two years behind you. You seem close with, um, but you're looking to go away to school. So what, in your mind, what is it that seems right about leaving home and not being around your family and going away to school? 
So in asking that question, that's a fair question to ask. If you're not negative recruiting, you're wanting them to know. You're, it's a gen, you know, genuine curiosity. If I hear a kid say, oh, you know what, coach? Um, I've thought about it a lot, and I've actually visited some places I want to go to school at, and it's, for me, it's going to be part of getting, getting uh, you know, more mature, and my, my mom went away to school, and she's talked about what, you know, how great it was for her and, and her growth, and I really want that. I want to be challenged somewhere different. Okay, that sounds like a kid that has really thought it through and has come up with some good logical reasons as to why right. they want to go away to college. Um, it's going to be harder to get them to stay close to home. The majority of kids are probably going to give you an answer that sounds like this. Um, I don't know, just sort of want to see my options. Um, it just seemed, you know, just seemed fun, see what's out there. You know, that's not... <laughs> That may be an incorrect way of choosing a college. If, <laughs> right. if you're if you're the athlete that just gave that answer. That. <laughs> okay. Well, the point is, and we go back to what I said before, is that it's hard for you to just jump out to the end and say, "Hey, look, you know, you're looking at the school four states away. That's going to be a bad decision. Right. You're going to get homesick, and plus, I don't think he can play there because you're two inches smaller than the rest of their people at that position. You know, on and on and on." Because now, what are you doing? You're attacking them. You're telling them you can't do it, and you're trying to kill the dream. And so everything else now that you're about to tell them as to why they should go to your program is going to get blocked out because they're now on the defense. Um, you see this on both sides of political discussions today, mm -hmm. is that what they don't make the case as to why they're right. They bash why the other people are wrong. And again, on both sides. It happens, it happens equally. Of course, yeah. and, and so the result is nobody ever gets around to actually considering and thinking about an alternative way to look at something. Your kids are the same way. When we, when we tell them, hey, this is wrong, we, what you're doing is you're saying that decision you made that you've been feeling good about and you're dreaming about, that's stupid. Right. Well, okay, when I, you do that, now I have to defend myself. Because if I don't, then I'm admitting that I've made a stupid mistake and I shouldn't have been thinking that way. And no, most I of us don't have the... Right. Well, I, you know, I haven't met anybody that does anyway. <laughs> and so, and so you, when you when you go in and you, you, you... You can't go in and say, this is a bad decision. What you have to do is more along the lines of what you know, strategically I would recommend is get them to talk about why it's a smart decision. Because if they can't define that it's smart, then and they hear themselves say, you know, not be able to verbalize that, that's pretty powerful. When I can't, I, I think I want to go to the school, why does that make sense? Um, why? It may, I don't know. Why does it make sense? Huh, never thought about that. Shouldn't Because a lot of kids now, based on what their club, high school, personal coaches tell them, you know, automatically say, well, I should just want to go to Division One because that's the best, you know, athletically, and I have to be the best. And so I automatically judge schools based on their division level. Wait, that's a horrible way to choose a school. <laughs> it's a horrible way to choose where you're going to play because it could be a horrible fit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, club sport programs, for instance, have... You know, th these kids have been you know 24/7 all year long, year round, uh, in their sport at a club level, and what they realize a lot of them is that wow, I really like the idea of Division Three, for example, um, or even Division Two because it's not all year round. Wow, I really like that. Um, but Division Three, Division Two coaches, unless you tell them, hey, here's something about us that is different, and even maybe say better than a D1. I, I'm not going to know it because who else is telling me that? So right. the coach, I think what your responsibility is, and this is me 10 minutes later actually answering, starting to answer your question. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, is you have to be the one through the story to make the case as to not, not only why they should want you as a school and as a coach and as a program, but also why they should want whatever situation you happen to be situated in. So... Let's, let's flip what I was talking about earlier. You're the school that is recruiting the kid that is four states away, and he or she isn't quite sure that they want to go to school there or that far away from home. Part of your story has to be, here's, why, here's the benefit of you truly going away to college and making that case. Now, you don't get to decide if they say yes or no. You, you're producing this movie, and you're making the case. You're telling the story of, here's why 
it's good for you to go away, why it's an unbelievable experience and that sets you up for the rest of your life. It's your job to make the case to that kid that is looking from four states away, just like it is to call into question if you're, if you're local as to why, you know, why would you go four states away. Now, in both situations, are you as a coach saying, um, are you as a coach saying, here's the right or the wrong thing to do? No. Are you saying which one's better or worse? No. All we're asking for is a definition. And you're making the case as to why you think it's better, but you're not telling them that they're stupid or wrong for deciding otherwise. Ultimately, just like we get to walk out of the movie theater and say, yeah, it wasn't a very good movie, or, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I love the movie. We have to produce those two different movies and let them decide. And that's where I think then we get better matches. When they actually come to campus, they've actually thought about it and not just seen some pictures or read some Instagram posts and you know, had a couple of conversations with the coach. They've actually thought about where am I going to go to school and is this right for me? So that's how I would do it. Okay. That Thank answers the much. question. Yes. No, that... that... 100% answers the question. Okay. So, so, okay, so just one more little sort of subsection then, because your original question was, how do I tell that story? Well, th I gave you one element of saying, you know, telling that story is, you know, making the case for why your situation is better, why they should want to be involved in your story. And the consistency matters. We've said before, a lot of times in the workshops we do or on the podcast or in the stuff that we write, uh, the research is very clear. Every six to nine days... The athletes want to hear from a coach as to why they should be right, wanting to go to that. school there. Okay. So, so that involves consistency. Okay, right. that movie plot has to move along, or else we start to get bored. So there, there's a we we want to tell the story, but do it consistently. And the other aspect of this is, as you're telling that story, it has to be it, one thing has to tie to the next. So I wouldn't want you to tell. A story, and let's just say you're going to produce an email out to go out to a prospect, and in that email, you talk about um, the great living situation there, um, where you where your 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 dorms were ranked. Um, you're going to start a new major in two years, and it's this, and plus there's this new building on campus because all four of those things have nothing to do with each other. Right. They're, they're, and, and what most bad recruiting messaging is, when, as we've seen it, and what kids would say, this is the stuff we don't engage with, it's the letter or the email that is packed full of so much random information that has one thing has nothing to do with the next. And it's basically a coach or a school saying, we're going to just spill it all out right here at the start, and hopefully there's something in here that grabs your attention. Right. And the result with this generation is that there's so much Nothing grabs their attention. There's no reason to say, yeah, I want that, or no, I don't want that. I, I was telling a coach last week in a phone call, a uh, coach that we work with, that, that you know, I think it's perfectly good when you can define your school so well and your program so well that a kid would read it or a parent would read it and say, well, that's not right for me. I, I don't want that. I don't want that type of school. or I wouldn't want to play for that type of a coach. Because what you've done is you've saved yourself the kid figuring that out six or eight months later and transferring at the end of the first semester or at the, after the, you know, their, their first year. So I think it's good when you define yourself so well that it, it blocks a whole group of people from wanting to come because at the same time, you're attracting in a strong way another group of people that says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And right now, if you had to picture it, everybody, if we're on a scale, you know, just left to right, zero to 100, most colleges are packed in at 50. There's a big bubble in the middle of that scale at 50, and there's so many colleges that sound just like the other one. Right. So what I would want you to, to be is out on one of those other ends based you know, on the view of the kid, because if I was to look at you at the, at the zero, I could say, I, I don't want anything to do with that coach or that program or that school. I don't like where it's located. They're my major. I don't like their style of play. No way. I don't want to go there. But the next kid that looks and says, wow, that's where I want to go to school. Look how they give me everything that I want, and that's my style of play. That's where I want to go. And all of a sudden, they, if, if we can draw them out of the middle and both to those two extremes, that's what moves the, uh, the recruiting process along. But it also gets you kids that are actually passionate about wanting to come play for you, know, for you and, and your situation. And so... 
going back to division levels, there's a case to be made for why should you want to play D1 sports. There's a case to be made, here's why you should want to play Division Two. You know, more of that balance. We're going to give you some time off. Right. Okay? What about Division Three? Well, look, we're some of the best academic institutions in the country. Um, you should want that, and here's why. NAIA, a lot of them are private Christian schools. Here's why you should want a faith-based element to your education, and you're involved in a church now. Here's why you, that should continue, and what it's going to mean to, to be involved with that um, at... Um, at, at the college level, you're a JC coach. You know, making the case as to why you should want to come to a JC first, and the plan to get them onto a four-year school, and, and why it's better to do that at a JC versus at you know just going and settling to be a student at a D1 um, and not play your sport, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a case to be made for each school. What what we find is that most coaches never make that case. And so what do kids, how do kids decide? If, if nobody's making the case for me, I have to do it on my own, so how do I do it? Well, that school was in a bowl game I saw on ESPN, so that must be fun. The, the kids in the stands look like they're having some fun. Um, or I really like their colors. Or um, I had a friend who went there, and she seemed to like it. Or, well, they're just close to home. And so we make all these random decisions, or we see kids making these random decisions poorly on how to, how to choose a college. So the more of a concrete, consistent um, story that says, here's who's right for us, here's who's wrong for us, that's what makes, I think, recruiting go faster and easier. Um, Most colleges and most coaches don't do it that way. I'm going to speak for, I'm going to speak for myself, but probably echo some of the sentiments of other coaches. What you're saying seems so scary because, (laughs) (laughs) well, just because, like, you're saying, okay, this is who we are. This is what we're about. If you love us, come play for us. If you don't, okay, the door's that way, kind of. And I understand what you're saying because there is kind of like an honesty and a beauty to it and a, I guess a less stress to it. But it's also very scary because you never want to like, oh, well, well, what about that recruit over there? They're so good. You know what I mean? And you want to keep right. kind of reaching. Even though it's not the right fit, you want to keep going that way. Right. But... Well- no, no, great observation, and, and I, you're right that whenever we talk about this, um, you know, it's interesting because we'll do on-campus workshops with athletic departments, and so we'll all usually spend two days with an athletic department, and we go over a lot of this stuff in way more detail than we're getting a chance to do on, on this uh, on the podcast. But you know, to be able to look in their faces, and you know, as we explain things, or we'll show them data and stats, you know, and you know, I, so that term of, you know, it sort of scares coaches. Absolutely, I get to see it in their faces sometimes or, mm-hmm. you know, help them, you know, walk through it. But here's, here's what's happening. Right now, let's just take the, the 300 that we talked about, the 300, um, uh, uh, 300 recruits that you haven't talked to yet. Well, if you were to just send out something randomly, that was generic and vanilla, like, you know, it's comfortably in the middle. We're not going to offend anybody. We're not going to define ourselves too much because we don't want to, we just want a conversation with them. Um, you're now competing with everybody else in the middle. And and let's just say, you know, a kid will, will um, re- reply back and say, yeah, coach, I'm interested. Now, in the back of his mind or her mind, and most coaches listening to this, you included, you probably, when you were getting recruited in, in high school, had a lot of coaches and you said, you know, I'm going to reply to them, but I don't really want to go there. And I don't see myself going there, but it's another coach and, you know, hey, you know, it's more love and I'll, I'll take that. Um, and so, you know, you know, hey, coach, you're in my top seven schools. Well, yeah, you're number seven. And, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I, I could never see myself going there, but you are in my top seven. So... My, my point is that the more you define it and the more you actually will talk to real prospects who are genuinely interested in you, you get the same end result. That kid that was in the mix that you that would answer your calls or return the text message, you were number seven on their list, well, you can still do that and you don't get them at the end. Whereas if you could take that kid and a week into it, then get back to you and say, hey, coach, you're, you're starting to talk about this and this and this, you know what, I just tell you right now, it's not going to be a good school for me. Um, the end result is the same. Mm-hmm. What you've just saved yourself now are, you know, dozens of phone calls and text messages 
two or three or four or five hours over the course of the life of that prospect of devoting time and attention to trying to get them on the campus and get their interest, I would, you have a finite amount of time as a coach. Um, and, and I want you to use that with the prospects that are most likely to, to be at least be on your radar as far as uh, a, a prospect. And that's just the best way that we've been able to handle it. Now look, you're a, a D1 football coach and you have a full-time operations director, some interns and eight other coaches to help you. Hey, go out and recruit 4,000 kids. I'm good with it. Whatever, you know, I, that's, I'm fine. Whatever you're able to do. For the majority of coaches that are listening to this, they have themselves and maybe a part-time assistant, or they might have a full-time assistant and somebody else. And there's a limit to the number of kids that you can actually communicate with effectively. So in a sense, these strategies become really important Necessary. for the coach because you don't have the luxury of making a mistake. You don't have a luxury of you know, wasting you know, the equivalent of you know, two and a half days out of your year on one kid that was never going to come there. It has to be on. And listen, if I was a coach of a program at a smaller school, I would want to jump in right away and define who we're right for, who we're wrong for. Um, and, you know, because, and the other thing is that the kids are looking for that. The kids are trying to figure out why should I pay attention to or want to go to that school whatever school it is, you're giving them reasons as to why they should be interested. So with you saying that, we're kind of going off of, uh, I'm just kind of going back. That's good. With you. Yeah. These are all good questions. So this is great. Uh, so you, you said a little bit earlier too, like a lot of schools were all in the middle and you, I think you said we're all kind of bland and kind of come one, come all. And that is you're 100% explaining um, our school, <laughs> our college. Even so much so when I've um, had conversations with my athletic director and my, you know, my assistant athletic director, I've used the term buffet to kind mm -hmm. of describe mm -hmm. us because we're a little bit of this, we're a little bit of that, we're a little bit of everybody. So I guess my question is, how do you, when you're like that, which, you know, most of the guys and girls listening and most of the coaches listening are, how do you define exactly which way you want to go? Because I find myself a lot um, at this level, and this is probably terrible, you're, and you're, I know you're going to tell me it's terrible, but uh -huh. <laughs> I almost find like the student athletes almost, you know, almost kind of dictate that. So I'll give you a one quick example. Like the, the team we had last year had a real chip on their shoulder, felt like they didn't really get a love, enough love in high school, so they came to sure. us, so they could kind of get some more love, get some more looks, stuff like that, and that was kind of the that team, but I've been in situations where it's not that team, you know what I mean? So we kind of sort of go the direction of our student athletes, especially because we're just trying to fill rosters too at some point. We don't want sure. to come October, November, and we only have, or we don't have enough kids. I'll just say it like that. We sure. don't have enough student athletes. So long-winded, but so how do you really, when you have so much opportunity, which is a good thing, you know, we have a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but in terms of creating our story, how do you really define that? Um, well, creating this, I think it comes, you know, from the top down and as the head coach, you're the top. So right. there is no, you, you take your school that you coach at in your sport. There is not one perfect story that you have to come up with that that's the secret. And until you come up with that perfect story, everything else is not going to work because quite, quite frankly, most of your competition is so horrible at telling a story any story you tell them is going to be, you're going to gravitate towards it because finally somebody is communicating with me and defining something and, and I can get into a conversation with them. Whereas the recruiting message I described earlier, I don't know how to define You've talked about these four things at your school. It's all over the place. I don't know where to take that. So I'm just not going to do anything. I can't, you know, I, they don't, they don't know what to do with it. So, so for you, I think giving you the permission, and I hereby give you the permission to not to come up with a story that sounds good to you, and then go tell it. Now, over time, you do that your first season. You're going to look back and say, hey, "You know what? I didn't." We were talking about you know, kind of the culture of the team. I didn't really nail that right. 
So I'm going to do it differently for this next class, and I'm going to tweak the story. You're going to edit that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't think you need to have the, the perfect movie, <laughs> the perfect story. I think you just need to go tell the best version of your story, whatever that is. So, okay. so you could that take... That makes perfect sense, actually. It, it you, really does. You, you could line up you and five other coaches in your conference, in your sport, and go through the idea of creating a story. Well, you, you'd wind up with five different stories because they all of you are different. All of you are going to have a different perspective. Heck, you could be all be sitting on the same bench at scouting at the same tournament and watching the same kid and have five different opinions of that kid. So right. there isn't a perfect story to tell. It's really just a matter of saying... And doing it in a, in a genuine conversational way uh, in writing that that says, I, you know, I, I just want to tell you what we're about here and why I think you know, why most of our kids really like playing for me here and going to school here. If you just tell it from an honest perspective, I think what you're going to find is that um, is that you've you will get attention and get into a conversation, and that's the whole goal of telling a story is to get these kids into a conversation. So that you can find out what are they looking for, what are their questions, and then the recruiting process and that prospect process really starts after that. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm literally writing down what you're saying. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Um, And as you're saying it, I'm like, okay, I kind of know what direction I want to go. So I only have, uh, I know I've asked way more questions than I originally planned, but I only have. two more questions for me and if we go yeah. off different ways we do yeah um, sure so i don't over exaggerate this when i say i'm the first coach in my role with this school to ever be recruiting like what i'm doing with you right now and even going to these different um you know whether it be summer leagues and tournaments and stuff like that i'm literally and, and i've spoken to former coaches from this from the college i'm at and They've told me that they did. They did not recruit. The big reason is we're a commuter school. We're like in the middle of everything, right. so they didn't really have to, or at least they felt as as if they didn't have to. Well, right. Last time we won anything was like twenty five years ago, and I don't want to be in that same situation. <laughs> right. So, which is I was just going to say that. We, yeah, I, I, I and I think you know I'll just jump in here really quick because you make a good point that a lot of coaches at a lot of schools. I'll say in some ways are blessed to just, they're always going to have their numbers. Mm-hmm. They're always going to get kids just based on either who they are, or where they're located, or the type of school, or whatever. They're never going to have a numbers problem. But I still think there's a, there is a case to be made for a coach. You know, and here we are talking in the summertime, which is sort of between you know, the madness of seasons into one before the beginning of another. And I would really encourage coaches, including you, to define who is the right kid for our program, like we've been talking about, who is the wrong type of athlete, because I think great programs are built by recruiting intentionally, not just winding up with a group of kids and saying, well, okay, here's what I have, and I'll make the best of it, because you never really get the culture that you're all about as a coach. You never get the personalities that are going to mesh. you know, we ask kids, number one, when you go to a campus or when you're talking to a coach, what, what is the number one priority that, that you have in your mind? And pretty consistently, one of their top answers is, I really want to figure out if I mesh with them or if their style of coaching is going to fit with what I'm looking for. So everybody's looking for my, the right fit and the right style. You know, that's why I really want coaches to do their job in defining what their style is because, mm-hmm. man, you get a kid that, that doesn't buy into the way that you coach or your philosophy or the pace of practice or the pace of a game or the style, now what do they do? They complain and, and you know they might transfer after a year or worse yet, they may stick around for the next three and argue with you and dig in their heels and be the cancer on the team. And I think all that results from coaches who don't recruit intentionally. And again, I would define that as you as a coach saying, here's either by position or personality or, or however you're going to define it, here's who I'm looking for, here's, here's who's wrong for me, here's who's right for me. Okay, now that I've defined that, now I need to communicate it. And the result then usually is kids that come in that buy in and are exactly the type of, of coach that they want in you and that they're the type of athlete that you want in them. I think you're know, going back to something that you said that 
it's kind of scary to do that. And I think one of the scary things is, what if I eliminate a bunch of kids off my list? Maybe, what if it's not really 300 kids on my list? What if it's only 120? Or 30. Not, or 30, <laughs> sure. So what if it's only 30? And I thought it was really, I, it feels better when I can say that it's 50 or 60. Well, that, that means you're recruiting more realistically and honestly. And it means also that you might have to tell yourself, whoa, I need to go out to another three tournaments to get another 30 real defined prospects that are going to fit me. So what a lot of coaches discover sort of through this process is that they weren't recruiting enough or that they weren't recruiting the right type of kids or defining mm -hmm. um, th those kids soon enough. And so I, it, this all goes towards more realistic recruiting. It's great for a coach to be able to sit up in their office and spin their chair around and look at the whiteboard and say, you know what, if all these kids come, we are so set. Yeah, we're the best. Be really good. <laughs> but, but they never do. All of them right. aren't going to come. And so I, what I tell coaches a lot of times, like sometimes in a client relationship, if we're working with a program, I tell a coach, my goal is to get you to look at that list that you have on your whiteboard and I want to erase names as quickly as possible. Get mm -hmm. the ones off there that just don't belong, mm -hmm. which is scary, yes, but it also tells you I need to go out and get more kids. Now, so here we are in the summer. Far easier to put more kids on the list in July and August versus March and April during the school year. Right. So that's... This process, it, it makes you a better recruiter and communicator. At the end of the day, the reason selfishly I try to get coaches to do it is because it makes them better strategists in how they approach who they're recruiting and, and that whole process. Um, thank you so much for that. Yeah. It actually, I was going to ask a different question, but it the way you explained that just kind of eliminated that next question. So, okay. What I will ask you. Well, what, 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 yeah. What was the next question? Just for a coach that that uh, didn't connect all the dots like you just did. Okay. Well, um, simply put, it was how to establish a recruiting presence, and I asked that because I am from a smaller program. Yeah. And I do go to these, you know, these tournaments and, and what have you. And I know a lot of coaches are going to understand when I say this. You walk in. You're there, you're okay, you're talking to fellow coaches, and then school A walks in and everybody's like, oh, God, they're here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason you do that is because they have that, like, recruiting presence. Like, and you don't really know how they did it. You just know that, um, I guess the best way to explain it, they have kids coming to them. And, sure. And, and again, I say this coming from a lower level. I'm not talking about, like, you know, the big, huge D1 program. I'm talking about, you know, we're all pretty small, but they attract all the attention. Sure. So, and you know, like I said, previously other coaches in my position hadn't, you know, done any recruiting. So we're we're kind of doing it right now, Dan. We're, we're kind yeah. of setting up that recruiting pre presence. People are starting to notice like, oh, we're out there, but... You know, how would you do it in a way where you don't want to just send out, like you said, random information, chalk full of stuff, but you do want people to be aware that, like, you're to be kind of taken seriously, if sure. that makes sense. Sure. Well, listen, I think um, we, um, I could probably talk for another hour on this, maybe that's <laughs> another podcast episode we'll do in the future, but... But the short answer is this. So let me go back to that, that program that walks into the gym or walks onto the field and everybody knows who they are and they're just sort of, like you said, all the other coaches say, oh, shoot, you know, so-and-so's here. Right. How do they get to that point when they're basically the same type of school? Same exact as, school. <laughs> yeah, but, but yet they have, they have that, that presence. I think it's because they've acted a certain way. Um, I think it's because, and I'll go back to you saying who's right and who's wrong for you, if I'm an athlete and I hear a coach say, look, here's who we're looking for, this, this, this. If you're this type of athlete, you're not going to fit. Boom, boom, boom. You told me now that there is, there is the chance that you could walk away from me and that you're okay with that. If you're not the right athlete for us as a program, I'm okay with walking away. Now, flip around as the coach, you might be desperate for them. You really need them or you just need numbers and, you know, it's, you know, it terrifies you the thought that you just explained um, three or four areas where they aren't the right fit and they could potentially walk away. 
Um, that you know, again, you don't want that. I think it's the attitude that most programs carry to the table with them mm -hmm. that that defines the defines them to their prospects. So I'll give you this example that many times if we're working with a program and we're we're working on a specific athlete that we're competing with maybe one or two or three other programs for and we know over time as the communication goes on and we're helping a coach analyze that 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 athlete is showing signs that they're going to say no they're really not interested in mm -hmm. them in that program what my advice always is to that coach is okay we need to be the ones to say we're going to move on we'll, we'll ask them, we'll, we'll ask them to commit and if they're not ready we're going to move on because right. what is the ripple effect the ripple effect is they go back to their club mention to the coach that that you know dan's not recruiting them anymore and wow really dan that little school dan said no wow okay huh because i've you know i think a lot of coaches on the club and high school level look at schools and say well that's a good backup choice but you know we you know, you're good you can go to these other three schools i don't want to be viewed as a backup choice first and mm -hmm. foremost right right how do we do that well you can obviously you know not go three and 20 if you're a coach that that did that um but if you're somewhere in the middle you're not as defined start defining yourself as the school that that is willing to walk away if you're going to lose a kid anyway i would much rather um much rather have you say no to them versus right. waiting four more months and then then finally saying no to you because you know the question of should we give them more time well what if i just gave them more time to decide whenever a coach says that i have them try to outline for me where in the past has that worked well like give me situations where you gave the athlete more time and that good athlete ended up coming to your school and very rarely at the best maybe once in the last five years are they able to name a time when that happened and they they but you know there's always that hope and hope is is something to uh uh that, that's really attractive to try to hang on to but it doesn't work and so that's um th th again i i think it's more of an attitude than it is a you know, a um, right, right. You know, saying the exactly the right thing. It's more of the being willing to walk away. All of a sudden, um, gives you a little bit more credibility. And that's one example I could give. But that would just be the first one that I think that would apply to the question that you asked. Oh no, that was that was great. I appreciate that. Um, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> with all that being said, uh, my final question. Um, you know, we're trying to define who's right for our program. And like I said, I just this past weekend, I just went to a huge tournament in my area, you know, hundreds of you know student athletes uh, took down a, a bunch of I guess we would call them leads or, or recruits. And but sometimes you watch a, a kid and you just have a feeling about them. Right. So my my question to you in terms of recruiting is what where does that lie like what if you just i've even had this conversation with my assistants they're like okay coach what are we looking for and right. we'll go we'll go and then i'll show them a kid and they'll look at me like that is not what you said at all right and mm -hmm. my my response to that is i just have a feeling about them right. where does that fall in in that whole a b and c chart right in, <laughs> in that a b and c chart or that who's right for our program right. like where does that fall like just that feeling Sure. Well, and this is actually a really great way to kind of wrap up the podcast conversation mm -hmm. with with sort of that question. Because I would say this, at the end of the day, one of the privileges of being a head coach, and really just being a college coach in general that's involved in building a program, is you get to decide who's right for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can insert all the data and formulas and history and feedback and all that and definition all that we want at the end of the day sometimes going with your gut is your privilege so if as long as you say hey look you know the data says this or the way i defined it before they go they fall outside of that a category but i just have a feeling on this one and listen that's the fun part of athletics that's the fun part of coaching is mm -hmm. running with those those feelings now if you had to recruit 10 kids and you were going with, you know, 10 gut feelings and those are the ones you bring in, I think you're rolling the dice big time, <laughs> maybe too much. <laughs> right. But, you know, 
you recruit eight solid kids, but two of them, you just have a feeling. You just have that, you want them to be that little, that little spark. Um, yeah, go for it. Because at the end of the day, it's your program. And as long as you're making the conscious decision to say, I know what I said I wanted, and I've defined it, but I'm going to make the decision to go over here and still recruit him or her, totally your, totally your uh, prerogative, as long as you say, and I think using some of the things we've talked about over the last hour is, is a way for you to say, I know what I've defined, I'm working on a plan, and I am actively choosing to go outside of that plan mm -hmm. and take a chance on this kid. You know that you're doing that, and I think if, if you plan everything out and define everything at the start, and make a choice later to go outside of it, that is way better than completely always operating on gut feelings with no plan. Because I, at least I'm able to then say, I am, I'm consciously making this choice as opposed to, this is just the way I do it. And yeah, I know there's not much rhyme or reason to it, and I hope it works, but I, I just think that there's, you know, on, on occasion, you have the privilege and the opportunity to do that, especially as a head coach, it's your call, and and you get to be the one to say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna live with it. I'm either gonna look like a genius or wipe some egg off of my face in two years when they transfer or quit." Mm -hmm. But but you know, I I get to do that once in a while. So, you know, all of this, any system or methodology that we outline or that you you know read about or or hear another coach you know operating from. Um, I think that's a good base for operation. It doesn't mean that you become a robot and you have to do everything, you know, either my way or another coach's way or your athletic director's way or, you know, it, as long as there's some level of measurement, there's some baseline to operate off of, I think, I think you're good. Thank you so much. Uh, all the answers that you've given me, like I said, I've been writing them down and everything, and I really... I feel better. <laughs> Good. After, you know, after listening to some of the other podcasts and obviously uh, subscribing to the um, the newsletter and everything, uh, I, f I feel a lot better. I'm kind of ready to go back out there because, you know, sometimes it can be kind of daunting. But now that, you know, basically what I'm getting from this is we need more of a, a, a pinpoint direction. And um, I'm ready to start kind of doing that. So I appreciate your time again. All right, coach, great conversations we had back-to-back -back with those two coaches. If you actually sat down and listened to both episodes back-to-back, -back, episode 53 and 54, well, you get extra credit. You, you persevered, but you also, through that, got a lot of good information. And hopefully it helps you sort of spur some thinking on as you get ready for another tough recruiting year, another challenging recruiting year uh, coming up, that you can maybe take some of these pieces of advice and the strategies that we outline for these two coaches in our conversations with them and use it for your own program. That was the goal of doing these back-to-back -back conversations here in the summer of 2018. If you have questions, I am happy to answer them. Would love to connect with you. Dan at dantutor.com is the email address you can use. Um, maybe we can get you on the podcast and talk about a situation that you're dealing with because other coaches love learning from their fellow coaches. This we know, uh, and hopefully you did as well. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Dan Tudor, D-A-N-T-U-D-O-R, and of course the website by the same name, www.dantutor.com for all sorts of free resources and information about how we can come to your campus and lead really in-depth workshops specific to your school and program, and also information on how we work with coaches on an individual basis as clients. If you're interested in us having you, uh, having to help you get a, a jump on this next year's recruiting, uh, that is a great resource to look into. Plus a lot of free articles, hundreds in fact, over the last 15 years that you're, you're welcome to use, get the information from, and utilize in your program. Coach, that's going to wrap it up for today. We hope you're having a great summer as you listen to this, and we look forward to talking to you the next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. college days
days, oh carefree days that fly. To thee we sing with our glasses raised on high. Let's drink a toast as each of us recalls ivy-covered professors in ivy-covered halls. Turn on the spigot, pour the beer and swig it, and Gaudiamusi get a tour. Here's two parties we tossed to the games that we lost. We shall claim that we won them someday. To the girls, young and sweet, to the spacious back seat of our roommates, beat up Chevrolet. To the beer and Benzedrine, to the way that the Dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth, 